Greetings friends, this is a sermon for Ash Wednesday 2022 and I'm reading from the passage in Joel chapter 2 beginning at verse 12 and from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 1 and I'll just read a small sample of both of these passages but you can always go and look them up. So Joel chapter 2 verse 12 goes like this yet even now says the lord return to me with all your heart with fasting with weeping and with mourning and rend your hearts and not your garments return to the lord your god for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and repents of evil who knows whether he will not turn and repent and leave a blessing behind him a cereal offering and a drink offering for the lord your god blow the trumpet in zion sanctify a fast Call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and make not thy heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? And then we have Matthew chapter 6, and these are verses 1 to 6, and then skipping a little bit to verses 16 to 18. These are the words of Christ. Beware of practising your piety before men in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give alms, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by men. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And so we come to the season of... Of Lent, yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Now, what is Lent? It's an opportunity to draw near to God through fasting and other special devotions, and it is, of course, inspired by Christ's 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. And in the church calendar, it immediately proceeds that is, it comes before and leads up to Easter. The church, in other words, provides us with a time for a particular focus that might be hard to sustain all through the year because it would simply be too intense and unsustainable. So a special time of year to focus. Now, what kind of things do people do during Lent? Well, there is, of course, fasting of different types, which means refraining from food and also potentially different types of drinks doesn't necessarily have to be refraining from all food it can be refraining from certain types of food and it of course means that you can do this at various times it doesn't mean that you have to do this for 40 days you can have small fasts like for example missing a meal but there are other forms of devotion that people traditionally 
engage in during Lent, almsgiving, works of charity, special acts of spiritual devotion, which may include a focus, a special focus on prayer, say, or on reading scripture. Now, one of the important things to recognise about Lent is that it is a provision of God's grace and it is not a legalistic requirement. Again, Joel chapter 2, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God's love is pledged to us in Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. We are, if you like, married to Christ. Christ has pledged God's love to us and he is committed to us and he embraces us and accepts us and we are unified through Christ with him. Therefore, we fast not to gain God's approval, but to respond to his loving call to us that we may put away sin and idleness and repent and draw closer to him. Now, let's talk about the spiritual devotions of Lent and how we might approach them. And I'm giving a particular focus to fasting because that's mostly what our scriptural passages talk about today. But we can, of course, apply this to other types of devotion as well. Now, the scriptures tell us much about fasting. And here are some observations. Firstly, fasting helps us to stop and focus on God. It helps us to stop and focus on God. Life is very busy, full of distractions, lots of information, social media, digital technology, iPhones, and so on and so forth. We live in a highly consumeristic society with much indulgence. Now, in the midst of this, the Lord calls graciously to us, return to me. Now, when we fast or even give something else up, the mere action of not eating for a time and perhaps feeling slightly hungry gives us a moment to pause and consider God's calling to us. We have more time and space to pray, or at least even to think about God. And so this is, if you like, an opportunity to put away our crutches, the things that we rely on in an emotional or psychological sense. Busyness, technology, unnecessary amounts of food and drink, and so on and so forth. So as you fast, or in your other devotions this Lent, ask yourself, What is preventing me from drawing near to God? Is it some kind of sin? Is it an unhelpful distraction? Do I have a lack of good habits and discipline in my life? And as you ask yourself these questions, perhaps while you're fasting, write down what you hear and try to take some steps to grow in these areas. So that's the first thing. Fasting helps us to stop, focus on God and listen to what he's saying to us. The second observation from our passages is that fasting is not an outward show, but an inward disposition. Joel chapter 2 verse 13, a very famous verse, rend your hearts and not your garments. Rend your hearts and not your garments. The words of Christ, beware of practicing your piety before men in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your father in heaven. When you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by men. Fasting is for God, not for men. It is an inward movement of the heart towards God. Now, when we fast, it is human nature, it is fallen human nature, to be tempted to show off. This is our pride. 
The teaching of Christ implies that we must therefore conceal our fasting and other works of devotion in order to direct our hearts rightly before God. Outward actions and rituals that we engage in must connect to something deep within ourselves. They must be an expression of the devotion of our hearts. Otherwise, we risk superficiality and hypocrisy. And as Christ says, our reward may be the praise of men, but there will be no spiritual reward. On Ash Wednesday, when we are marked with ash, and many of you may engage in an Ash Wednesday service this year, we come face to face with the troubling and basic realities of sin and death. And this is what Lent is all about. These two words, sin and death, encompass all the suffering of the history of mankind in one way or another. The ash that we smear on our foreheads or sprinkle on our scalps marks us out as sinners who are doomed to die. All superficial airs are suspended as we are signed with ash which comes from flames and destruction. Through a ritual like this, we face the death that we have experienced in our own lives. We encounter that which has turned to ash for us. Broken families, relationships and friendships, personal illnesses and disaster, fractured lives, unfulfilled dreams, addictions and painful memories of regret and loss. We face the reality of our sin and failure. But we also see, in the ash, the hope of new life, because Paradoxically, ash can act as a fertile substance in which new life can grow, trees, plants and grass. The imagery of death and rebirth is perhaps what is behind the ancient symbol of the phoenix, which is engulfed in flame, turns to ash and then is reborn from the ashes. The ash is a symbol of death, but also of the hope of new life. We therefore enter into death on Ash Wednesday and we embrace a kind of death during Lent as we deny ourselves in the hope that we too will be reborn with Christ, reborn and renewed spiritually in this life, but ultimately raised to new life from death forever in the power of his resurrection. And in this cycle of death and rebirth, mysteriously, is a key to understanding all of life. So, do not allow yourself to be distracted from the depth of this reality, this great and profound reality, by making your fasting and devotion something superficial and hypocritical. Fasting, thirdly, brings with it a reward. Christ says this at least three times in our passage. Fasting and alms bring a reward. Keep your alms giving secret, says Christ, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now he does not say in this passage how exactly the Father will reward us, but we can certainly speculate. Spiritual renewal, the putting away of sin and progress in our battle against the flesh clarity of a vision in our walk with God. And we should not discount the hope of heaven as some kind of childish fantasy. We should not reject talk of the reward we will receive there for the simple reason that Christ does not do this either. Fasting also has health benefits, appropriate weight loss, the detoxification of the body and so on. Now, of course, I am limited in the amount that I can say about this, not being a nutritionist myself. But there is, of course, the biblical example of the fast that Daniel undertakes when he only eats fruit and vegetables for a time in the Babylonian court. It's said that he and his friends look healthier than those who didn't engage in this fast at the end of the time. Now, that may be because of God's grace 
or it may be because of some kind of physical process in the body, as I say, some kind of detoxification or something like that. But many people, both within the spiritual world and outside the spiritual world, would testify to the health benefits of appropriate fasting. So fasting does bring with it a reward, both in a spiritual sense and also in a physical sense. And finally, this is the fourth thing that I see in these passages, is that fasting is something that we do together, or you might say something we do corporately, because we all do this during Lent. Lent is a time when the church fasts together. Now, as I say, we keep it secret and personal as much as possible, because ultimately it's between us and God, but it is still done together all at the same time. And so we see in Joel chapter 2 again, gather the people together, call a solemn assembly. Between the vestibule and the altar let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and make not thy heritage a reproach, a byword among the nation. That's what God commands the people to do in Joel chapter 2. And this implies that he will hear and respond when we fast and pray as individuals, but also as a corporate entity. Now, in the post-Christian age that we live in, in the West, it may be appropriate to dedicate time to pray for a corporate return to the Lord, a return of our nation, a return of the Western nations of the world, for renewal in the church and repentance where we are currently failing to be faithful to God. As I recalled this sermon, there is a sense in which for at least a couple of years now, but perhaps for longer, our civilization has been and is being shaken. The very identity of the West is being challenged and our sense of who we are is rapidly fading. Now, I believe that we should always be listening in the events of our times for the voice of God. What is God saying to us through this time? And of course, in a sense, the answer is always the same. Return to me, says the Lord. So will we take up that call? Will we respond? Will we take the responsibility during Lent to fast and to pray and to ask God for a renewal in our own lives, in the life of the church and in the life of the nations? And so to finish, and I know there's a lot to think about there. But I'll summarise by saying, this Lent, respond to the gracious and loving call of God to draw closer to him through repentance and renewal. Practice private and special personal devotions, including, if possible, fasting, almsgiving, special works of devotion and acts of charity. Trust that your fasting will bring you a reward. You are not wasting your time. God will reward you richly. And do not neglect to pray for the church and the world. We must seek, as I said, personal and corporate spiritual renewal through this season. And finally, remember God's grace. He knows that you're weak. He knows that I am weak and that we will at points fail in this. It is something which you practice. And from personal experience, it's a discipline that you can improve in. We are empowered by his Holy Spirit and through grace. We do not do this in our own strength and also remember that we are already accepted and loved by him and I'll finish with a, a short stanza from the great 
George Herbert, the Anglican poet of the 17th century, his poem Lent. It's true we cannot reach Christ's 40th day, yet to go part of that religious way is better than to rest. We cannot reach our Saviour's purity, yet we are bid be holy, even as he. In both, let's do our best. And so this Lenten tide, we know we cannot reach the level of purity and holiness of Christ. We know that to fast for 40 days is impossible for us because of our weakness. But it's better to go part of that religious way than not to try at all. And so in both of those things, let's do our best. In faith, let's do our best and let's wait in expectant hope to see how the Lord responds. So God bless you this Lent. Good luck. It is a challenging time, but it's also a wonderful time because within our hearts stirs the hope of Easter, of resurrection and of new life.